Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First and 10. Has to beat tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done 10 bringers. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Happy Friday. Uh, this is episode 6 of Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. What's going on? I'm chilling, man. Every time I hear that intro... Um, Hot Rod Hundley, who, who was on that call in Utah. <laughs> yeah. And he was one of the best dudes ever. God rest his soul, man. Hot Rod was a bad man. You know what I noticed about the intro? When I hear my voice, I definitely have a different voice when we tape this at 7 in the morning. Uh, As opposed to my – because when I when my radio show was on ESPN, it was 1 in the afternoon. Yep. Definitely a woken up, very clear sinuses, like a different <laughs> voice. And now I sound just awful. And I already I already hate the sound of my voice, right. so it's great to Are know that Are you that guy you hate, you hate the way you sound? Yeah, I don't like listening. Like when we hear those bites, like me saying something, I don't love it. Right. Like I, I'd rather hear somebody else's <laughs> voice. But I guess a lot of people feel that way too because they tell me all the time on Twitter I have the worst voice ever. And they hate what I have to say as well. <laughs> Uh, yesterday was big, man. We got a ton of stuff to do. Uh, the coaching carousel continues in college football. It's been a nutty week there. The Cowboys played last night, finally got a win. We're going to do picks and props. Big weekend in college football, which is crazy. It feels like we haven't even talked about the games that are out there. Right. We got some fake Twitter accounts that got some people. And we're going to do some five-star Q&A. We have some questions from people that have on our Apple podcast uh, site. People left us some questions, so we'll get to those. I think some people had some good questions, so we're going to get to those later on too. But yesterday, I was fired up. I was distracted. Uh-huh. I was distracted. I do my radio show for SiriusXM from 1 to 4, and I had the TV on. And I must say, I was dialed into the TV to the Golf Channel as I was watching Tiger Woods return. And I must say, I was impressed. Is he back? I was impressed. There was talk. It was funny because now how you watch sporting events, kind of, and you don't. I do. I watch via Twitter. Like I'm watching online, but I'm also watching people's reactions online as it's unfolding. And there was a lot of back comments. I I think it's kind of that joke because my is Miami back? Is Texas back? Is Tiger back? I think it's getting old. Like I root for people to come back, but I think it's always interesting because people. We'll say you're back too soon, and then you get made fun of. Yeah, uh, I think it's undeniable, though, that golf needs Tiger back. Oh, it's like, not even a question. It's not even a question. And look, as a golf as a golf fan now, I need Tiger back because <laughs> I I won't watch. Like I'll try to sit down and watch even the Masters. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm ready. Like I got my chips. I got my stuff. I kicked the wife and the kids out of the house. I'm in the I'm in the man cave. I'm ready to watch. And no Tiger. You got me for 35, 40 minutes maybe, and then I find something else to do. So, like, I, today I'm going home. I'm going to watch the World Hero Challenge, and I want to see Tiger. I want to see I want to see how he reacts when things go bad. And so my question, yeah. having not watched it yesterday, was there any kind of was there any kind of bump in the road, or was nah, it just easy was, sailing for him? Nah, he had, a, he had one or two drives late because he got it to four under. He finished the three under. He had a drive probably on 16, I think it was, that he got kind of in the weeds, and he was over there looking for his ball. He was able to find it and salvage a bogey. But for the most part, it was a pretty smooth round. Yeah. I think golf is in a really good spot. If you're, if you're a diehard golf fan, like, and, and I am, like they've got Dustin Johnson, who's incredible. Justin Thomas coming yep. off, the, you know, an incredible year. Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, like they have incredible young talent, but for the average person who is not white, <laughs> to be honest with you, no, seriously, like for the average, like white, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. yeah. But for the average, like Joe who doesn't play golf, why would they watch a bunch of white guys play golf? Seriously, like it's real talk. Yeah. But if Tiger's in there, they're familiar with him because he dominated the sport for 20 years and we've seen him all over. There's yeah. familiarity, but there's also somebody who looks like a lot of people. So I think that draws in a ton of people that would never watch golf as it is. It does. It, and he's a, he was a storyline even when he was bad. And so I found myself, even when it was a train wreck, it was a train wreck that I could not turn away from. Like yeah. I, I had to see like the, the meltdown. I wanted to see if like he might finally break down and cry on the course and look. Without him, I will watch like a Sunday. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, because like, I because I, I am enough if of a golf fan. There, or if he gets to the leaderboard. Yeah, but not if, if, even when he's not in. Let's you say you've got it. those good because they are great young golfers, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I I do think golf is at a really good place in terms of like U.S. talent right mm-hmm. now. It's pretty pretty remarkable. Which would be outstanding if Tiger was thrown into that. Mix. That would be dope. So dope. Yeah. Like, but anyway. Debo, you're not a golfer, are you? I golf. You do? Yeah. Word? Really? Not I was well. <laughs> All right. Because I was curious as to why you put the stat of the uh the, the head club head speed or ball coming off the, the club head. 
What? Because <laughs> he gave us a stat on here. Because Debo does a great job putting together our, our our show, puts together a little rundown for us, yes. puts it together, and he had a stat on here. That to me, it seems like kind of a random stat. Speed off the tee was 178 miles per hour. It's just a lot better than it was before. Dealing with those back Damn. injuries. Wow! Look that, at that. Just, <laughs> so it it would have ranked 19th on the PGA Tour last year, which shows you that. He has that. He's back. back. His club <laughs> head speed is no, back. No, but you know what showed me is I think it was the first tee. They had Justin Thomas and him playing together. They've been practicing. They're buddies together. now, right? Yeah, because yeah. they both live in the you know South Florida area. They're both up in Jupiter playing yeah. all the time, which would be incredible. Like, I'd love to be in that crew, yeah. like just playing. Uh, but uh, Justin Thomas went off the first tee, bombed it out there. He's one of the longer drivers on tour. Tiger put it like 30 yards by him. Pooped like, on him. What's up? He I'm just back. On his I'm ball, back. Just all back. right. Do you think Tiger was nervous? Do you think he was nervous on the first tee? I think Tiger's the type of dude that, it, like, once he hits that first tee, he's in machine mode. He strikes me as that type of dude. I, there's no doubt that he had some nerves coming up to the event and stuff like that. But I, I think he's done that so many times that once he hits that first tee, it just clicks back in. It's it's like riding a bike. I mean. You, you knew how it went eventually once you got to a certain level of playing football. Like the nerves were pre-game. Yeah. They were in the locker room, like excitement type of buildup. But once that first, you know, whistle blew and you were running out there to be in the first huddle, like a calm comes over you and yeah. you know what you're getting into. I feel like what, that's it. What was it for me? I always kind of wanted to get hit early. Yeah. Like that kind of woke me up and it kind of like, Oh, all right, let's go. Like yep. that kind of had to wake me up. Or it was a completed first pass. Like, let me get something under my belt. Let me get one completion. I don't care if it's a screen. Yeah. I don't care if it's something underneath. And I think it's really vital for young quarterbacks, especially like a Dak Prescott last night. We're watching him play. I'm like, man, just give him an easy pass. Get his confidence up. Was it that way for you on the basketball court? Like, did you need it? Like, if you if that first shot went in, was that it? Or did you just the action the minute the ball was tipped? It was like you're good. When I was a younger player, a lot of my game and the way I played was dependent on whether I made that first shot or not because I was a little fragile mentally. But as I got older, I was better with that. Like, mm-hmm. and Mike D'Antoni knew that I like to shoot a quick shot, and so he would usually call a play for me coming out of the time, coming out of like the first tip or coming out of the second half, um, just to get me in the flow of the game. But generally speaking, my rule of thumb was I wanted to go as hard as I could in warmups. So you'd see me in warmups just like beasting everybody in terms <laughs> of the speed I was working at because I wanted to get through that first win. So then when the, the tip went up, I was already on my second win and ready to go. That's, I should have done that. Maybe that was my problem. <laughs> no, because you see every other position, they're out there hitting each other in warm-ups, like banging, you know, just a little bit. Yeah. But they're still, that's what they're like kind of waking their bodies up. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks, you would never see that because you don't want them to get hurt. <laughs> but maybe that was something I needed to do. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I, that would have helped me. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> let me ask you another question. Though, yeah. real, uh, top golf, I heard, came down here. Have you guys ever been to a top golf? Yeah, you haven't been? I've never been, but apparently there's one in South Florida. Now. I did I'm, hear they're going to build one down here. Cause I, you, why not? It's a golf mecca. Yeah. around here and you can do them at night they're they're really cool like they're a ton of fun i think it's great for families if you got your boys and sure you, they would love it my daughters have taken them it's also cool if you're like young and single and want to have like a date or if you go with a group of people it's a it's a blast it's basically a driving range have you been to a lucky strike bowling alley sure it's kind of like that except okay. for golf it's like a lounge where you can yes make, you can right. drink beer they can have food and they have like it's funny because they actually have a couch like sitting area that sits right around the golf bay around your booth yeah and then they have all these electronics that are kind of cool like the holes that you hit out they track your ball so it'll see where it landed and you aim for a bullseye yeah you hit it like they get points there's different games you can play it's pretty cool i'm expected to open in summer of 2018 the one down in miami yeah there you go we'll be there uh, show sponsor top golf hits up (laughs) let's get to some uh let's get some college football stuff because it's been nuts I will get to our picks later for the championship games, but I think this has been one of the craziest weeks of college football off the field that we've ever seen. I think fans are insane, which is great, which makes the sport fantastic, but they're also insane. And now this one's starting to hit close to home for me because Florida State is starting to come to the reality that Jimbo's probably going to leave the Texas A&M. It hasn't been announced, but it all feels like this is going to happen where – I would be surprised now if he stays at Florida State. Like, he's doing his call-in show the other night, and it's one of these deals where the head coach takes questions from the crowd, and they'll have radio callers call in. And a guy comes up there and confronts Jimbo on his loyalty to the program, gets thrown out of it. And Jimbo, you know, didn't really answer the question. And it just, for me, that was like the 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 breaking point. I was like, oh, this is how it's going to go down. And it does feel like he's going to leave after this game. I talked to him yesterday on my radio show on Sirius XM on Playbook, and he handled it the way I think any head coach would. Here, here's uh, him with me and Andy Staples yesterday. 
I got to get it out of the way right off the bat. Are, are you going to be Florida State's coach next year? You know my answer. I'm not going to talk about jobs. <laughs> <laughs> coach, do you understand the fans' frustration at that answer? Sure do. Recruiting is a huge part in all this, and people at other schools, I'm sure, are going to try to jump all over any rumors, any news they can cling to, and it's had its impact as you guys have lost some recruits there. Are you worried at all about the impact it's having on recruiting, just all this noise? You always worry. Recruiting, they go through those cycles all the time, and you know, there's still time for decisions to be made for them. And and like I say, if there's uncertainty, you understand that. Do you get those questions all the time? Sometimes it happens – you know, with situations like this, sometimes I, I just want to take one more visit to make sure, those types of things. And it's things that we live with in our world all the time that other people don't always live with. And, and there are things that we handle and deal with and have strategies to adhere to and when the time is right. All right, here's the That was on Playbook, Sirius XM Channel 84, 1 to 4. You can hear me every week. <laughs> a little what? pump for the radio show. He's a pro. Right, so I think he knows how to deal with the media. He, it's been something. We have a weekly hit with him every Thursday. He didn't cancel. Uh, I think I give him credit for that. Uh, it got awkward. Like we clipped it down a little bit, so there wasn't a thing. But when I asked him about the frustration of the fans, he said, "Sure do." He, he had to wait, and it was kind of a. I was like, well, "Is that it? Yeah, we're getting." But here's the thing: if Jimbo tries to answer, he's going to get put in a really awkward spot. We saw Nick Saban. Still hasn't been able to live down his quote when he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. And he was talking to reporters were grilling him, rumors about him leaving, and he said, I will not be the next head coach at Alabama. And then, like, you know, within a week, he's gone on a private jet, and fans have not let him live it down. Now, granted, he was trying to silence the rumors to just stop having to talk about it, but it's burned him. So I think Jimbo's really only option is what he's doing, which is saying, I'm not going to answer any questions about that. Yeah, less is more. You, you, you don't, you can't paint yourself into a corner with, with, with your own words there. And I get that it's frustrating for, for media and for fans because there seems to be this sense that like a coach or a player, they owe an explanation to someone. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes me anything as a media member now. Like, and when I played, I certainly didn't owe anyone an explanation for why I may or may not have done something in the locker room. It's my business. The only person I really owe is my boss, you know? And so, um, is that, is this right on my rundown though? He's offered <laughs> 10 years, 7.5 a year. I've, there have been all kind of rumors that out there. I think 7 million a year is the going kind of number yeah. that I've heard. It'll put him right up there, probably next to Nick Saban, yeah. Jim Harbaugh, some of the highest paid coaches in college football. I haven't heard the 10 years thing, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, Texas A&M has deep, deep pockets. They have some of the best facilities in the world, uh, in, in the world, in college football. They have right. some of the best facilities. I think it's a step down for Jimbo. I think this is a career mistake for him to leave a place where he could have been and, may, and look, there'll never be another Bobby Bowden, but he could have had a lengthy oh, career dude. in and Tallahassee and have a better chance at winning. He, you're not recru- you're not f- playing against and recruiting against Alabama, Auburn, LSU, just in your own division, like you like you will be at Texas A&M. It, it's not like he took a Florida State program over and it went to the depths of hell when he took it over. Like right. they've been viable. They've had a tough year this year. They lost uh, what's his name, Francois. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a disappointment of a year. I can't speak to what's going on there. Like. With with administration and with with the uh, athletic department and the coaching staff, like those relationships, if they're not good, can be really really stressful, yeah. right? Like everything can be going okay with your team, but having to deal with the people in your organization can take its toll on people if it's not a healthy relationship. I can't speak to that, but I agree with you. I think Florida State, as much as I hate you, damn Seminoles, <laughs> I think it's an amazing job. I think it, uh, you know, you you're Texas A and M, in my opinion humble as it is, will always be a stepsister in the SEC. Absolutely. I, I, they will always be. They will never be, um, you know, top in the beauty pageant. They no. won't be first prize. And Florida State can be that in the ACC, not to mention that the, the fertile recruiting grounds of, of, of South Florida, He's he already knows them. Kids down here in Miami, I mean, we're shifting the paradigm a little bit. Like kids want to stay home a little bit now mm-hmm. and go to Miami, but there's still a whole lot of them down here in, in Overtown and, 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 you know, Opelika and places like that that want to be Seminoles. Yeah. So you, all you got to come down is, is offer them a scholarship. Just come down, see them and offer them one and you get them. And I don't think you can have that type of pull in, in, in college, is a college station out yeah. there. I've never even been, but no, it's, it's, uh, 
I mean, the fans are nuts out there. They have one of the loudest, craziest scenes. It's a little bit of a cult. Like right, right. It looks that like crazy. it. Right. Uh, they do they, the, uh, they do the yell, the Friday night yell, where they have these dudes out there, like, lead the cheers. Uh, it's crazy. Like, it's insane. Well, that's what you want out of your fan base. Like, it's great. Uh, but it's still, you're not, you're going to be going against Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and not to mention Arkansas is going to get a new head coach. Like, it's just a old miss. It is a really crowded division. You don't have the same opportunity to be, no. to be the number one team. And in Florida there. State will be in a really good spot. And I know there's some panic among the fan base and probably even some of the administration too. Like, what are we going to do? Coaches will be calling. Yes. The minute it's announced formally, and probably already have been, even at the whiff of rumors of him leaving, right. coaches will be knocking down their door saying, hey, can I be your guy? Can I do it? Yep. And they're going, to, they're going to be in a really spot. Willie Taggart, I think, is probably going to be the guy. I think there's probably some backroom deal that's in place already. Oregon has offered him an extension. I saw He that. hasn't signed it yet. Uh. He's, he's waiting to see what happens. He's right. from Florida, was just at South Florida, so he's familiar with that recruiting ground. If it doesn't work out, there's plenty of other good options out there. Mac Brown, who played at Florida State, I think would be a fantastic fit. Justin Fuente from Virginia Tech, I right. think would be another. Like you basically would have your pick of the college landscape. You're going to have your pick of the litter. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think Florida State will be in a fine spot. You know who's not in a great spot? I do. <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee's situation is so toxic right now. Uh, I don't think we've seen anything unfold this bad. So we talked about Greg Schiano. The way that went down was really disgusting. I don't think it would have been a good fit, but that's besides the point. Like the repping, ruining a man's, a man's reputation is embarrassing for any fan base. May, yeah, go pick it if you don't like him. Go protest, but don't throw his rep, his entire career into the drain and dig up stuff that probably didn't happen, may have happened, but probably didn't happen. And bring that stuff up about the Penn State connection. Don't bring that into the play just to get what you want. And I think what you've seen is a severe backlash because other head coaches are turning this job down. And that's insane at the type of money that's being thrown around when Mike Gundy turns it down. Jeff Brom at Purdue turns it. Mike Gundy's at Oklahoma State. Good job. Like right. you say, all right, that's not that, but that's not that embarrassing. Jeff Brom is at Purdue. Yeah. He's turning you down. Dave Dorn is at NC State. He's turning you down. It's, and I don't, David Cutcliffe at Duke turning it down. These are coaches that are good coaches that are saying, yeah, you guys might have incredible facilities. You might be able to offer me five million bucks a year, but I don't want any part of that dumpster fire of a program right now. Yeah. The optics are not good. Um, I still believe that Tennessee, the job itself, like in a vacuum, the Tennessee job, the facilities, um, the recruiting grounds, like where you can draw from, I think that's a dope job. Like I still think that's a job, and I think it's really unfortunate that the people um, that are calling the shots in Tennessee have allowed, you know, this social media mob to to just take all of the allure away from that. Like they, what people are looking at now is, do I want to deal with the headache and? And, and treatment that Shiano has had to deal with. And if you're running the program and calling the shots, like that's the last thing you want coaches to want to factor in when they're coming to your program. You want them to factor in, you know, can I get it done there? Am I going to have the resources at my disposal? Like, uh, are the facilities good enough for me to recruit? Like those are the things, you know, are you going to allow me to have the staff that I, that I trust, um, to get this done at the end of the day? Like those are the determining factors on whether or not you take a job, not whether or not like you're going to be tried in the, in the court of public appeal, like if something doesn't go wrong. And so they made a mess of this situation from the jump. And, you know, I was listening to a show the other day on the morning. And I told you, I listened to a show now uh -huh. because, um, uh, an individual says a lot of crazy stuff and, you know, I'm reading between the lines and he's you're taking, talking about Clay Travis. I he has led, he's been the leader of the mob marching to, to, to the town square to basically, you know, crucify these coaches right. that they don't like. And I had, like, I really, like, I didn't love it, but, like, okay, I was fine with it. I was really indifferent. I didn't, give it, I didn't care, quite right. frankly. But something stuck out to me when he was talking about the process, and he said, I wouldn't allow that to happen. And, and that really bothered me because he has taken this initiative. Like, he really believes that it is his job right. to call the shots via this mob of social media for Tennessee. And if you're running the show in Tennessee there, like, I don't give a damn what you're talking about. Like, I, at this point, I'm even doing it to spite you right. if I can. Right. And that's – see, I think John Curry, the athletic director, has taken a ton of heat. His job's under fire. I think he could have solved a lot of, ish, a lot of problems early. By coming out, the minute he saw stuff going down, 
and saying, we have done our, our background check. We are confident this is the right coach for us. Have Peyton Manning get on board. Yeah. Uh, they had Kirk Herbstreit get him on board. Get these national voices to come out and publicly support you and say, this is our head coach moving forward. Deal with it. Like right. that's put he, it to he, bed. Instead, he waited 24 hours to put out the statement that said, because he basically put out, he said, we did our due diligence. We found nothing wrong. He was not involved in the Penn State scandal at all in any way that would jeopardize his, his career as a coach. And he did it a day late but after he, it was that's too a, late. That's apologetic. Absolutely. Like that's, I'm not apologizing to you for this. Right. I, I, it's not my job to apologize to you as a fan base. My job is to get the candidate that, that I feel is the right one for the job. Absolutely. I think the SEC fan bases, and I, to be fair, there are some other ones that are outside of the SEC, but crazy college football fan bases, I think make the job less attractive for coaches because whoever takes this job is probably looking at the influence this Twitter mob has had on John Curry and the administration. Jimmy Haslam is a huge booster, owner of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and I think they're totally screwing this up. He screwed up the Browns already. Right. But the way this has been handled is embarrassment. But I think the fan bases are making these less attractive landing spots because if I'm a head coach and I'm looking at potential landing spots and I'm saying, all right, if I go there – and it's going to be rough. Like they're not, a, they're not a good program right now. You have to rebuild it, which right. is going to take time. If I go there in my first year, I'm four and eight. Is that Twitter mob going to turn on me? Right. Are they going to run me out of town? Yep. What if, what if the second year I'm six and six? Is that going to be good enough? What, what is good enough to please this fan base? And unfortunately, too many fan bases. Gainesville's one of them. Tallahassee would be one of them too. I'm not. I'm, it's it's sure. crazy fan bases. Fan bases look at their programs with an unrealistic picture, and they say, you know what? We're Tennessee. We had a national championship in 1990. We should be competing for national championship. 20 years ago. Right. And if you come anything less than that, your fans are going to be calling for your job. So why would you want to go there? And I yeah. get there's 5 million reasons or 4 million reasons that you would want to go and take that job. Right. But coaches also have families. They want to look at the big picture. They want to see longevity. And if you are are going to turn on a guy and you're showing this irrational, emotional fan base side of you, I would say thanks, but no thanks. Is there any chance that they wind up with a better guy in there than Greg Schiano? Like, is there a chance if Mike Leach or if something happens with Kevin Sumlin in Texas A&M and Both all these jobs well, are taken away, is there any they, chance that they wind up with a better candidate and all this at the end of the day has has worked out for the best for I, Tennessee? It could. It could. I And I think <laughs> and what's, that'll drive me nuts because I'll be like, damn it, I want these these fans who are idiots. And Grant, they probably have some great fans too. They yeah. probably have some really good people in Knoxville that support the program. And it's a lot of times it's the vocal minority who you hear from. But yes, to your answer, yes. And I think Dave Dorn would have been a disaster from NC State. Uh, I think NC State fans are probably like, Man, maybe he will go. Well, go ahead. Then we'll get a new head coach. There probably was some of that. They would have been picketing. If he was there, they would have said, we're not going to, you know, uh, we're not going to buy season down. tickets. Right. If Kevin Sumlin goes there, it's a better, better than Shiano. Right. And then better than the original. Maybe. Right. I think, I think he would, I think Shiano would have been a bad fit personality wise, but, I thought Nick Saban would be a bad fit personality-wise for Alabama. If you win, you can be a prick. You can be anything you want it's if true. you win. But, man, you better win. And you better win national championships. Because right. if you're not, then you're going to be a, a, a disaster. You just hit on a point that I want Like, Tennessee, your job right now, right? Your job. Although I think there, it's got great appeal, like, when you strip away all the negativity. It, it is a rebuild mode. And when you're, like, when you're not good enough of a job to be ugly character, like, if you will, right? Like, allow me, like, uh, like... A handsome guy can get away with more stuff probably in a relationship in terms of being a, a prick yes. than, than, a, than a not good looking guy, right? right? Like you, you are the bad looking guy right now. Don't be a, don't be a prick on the other side of it. Like don't, don't run away people away with this mob of people making your job. Yeah. I think worse Kevin looking Sumlin than could be really good. I think Mike Leach would be interesting. I don't know if it's a slam dunk. The fans would, but I could see that ending really poorly. Yeah. Like I think he could be good, but defensively, I don't think he has that much of a defensive mind, which you need in the SEC. He's got an incredible offensive mind, but right. be very much how it, would his offense and work in that conference. A game. Yeah, so I, that one, I don't, I just, I don't know if it would be a home run higher. So we'll have to see because it's kind of unfolding by the minute as we watch. Can I say unfold. prick on podcast? I don't know. We've been both saying it, so I guess it's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna know. roll with it. All right, let's roll with it. Debo, we'll put it on you. Our producer said roll with it. Right. Uh, there's one other one that I wanted to get to because I actually talked to him on the radio show yesterday. It was Herm Edwards going to Arizona State. I think this one's really fascinating. Herm is 63 years old. He's been an NFL head coach twice with mm -hmm. the New York Jets and Kansas City Chiefs. Has been a broadcaster for a long time. He's been out of football. Hasn't been in college football since 1989. Right. But I think his situation – so the athletic director is his former agent. He's got a relationship there. 
Arizona State wants to keep intact most of the staff. They want to keep the offensive coordinator, Billy Napier. They want to keep the defensive coordinator, Phil Bennett. And they want Herm to come in and basically be a face of the program, to right. be a leader, to be a recruiter. I think it's probably, I think it's a good idea. I think, I think, cause I know Herm. I like him. I think he's a people person. I think he's a leader. I think he's got great qualities that you would look for. I think it could work, regardless of his inexperience in the last 20 years in college football. It's an it's an interesting idea. I mean, you don't hear about places doing that too no. often. You don't hear no. about them taking – like usually when a head coach goes, his staff goes, or a head coach goes and you promote one of the, the – either the OC or the DC to the head coach and then they bring in a new one um, – I, I like Herm Edwards too. I, I think he, I think he would do a good job, and it's an interesting concept there. And no know, one that, does it because most head coaches, if you give them the job, they say, "I want my guys." Correct. But here's the only, here's my only pushback. If I play devil's advocate, is like if he doesn't have a relationship with those two guys, mm-hmm. um, a head coach at times has to like has to put the hammer down, yep. right? Has to make some tough calls. Has to really, you know, maybe put people in check and tell yeah. them what he wants done. So these guys can't be like rogue. Like OCs and DCs answering to no one because Herm's just a figurehead there. Like you know, so like if if they don't get along mm-hmm. and there's a personality conflict at all, that could be a really messy situation because these aren't Herm's guys. That would be my only pushback yeah. in a situation. I like think that. that would be one where you'd all be professionals. You're making a lot of money. Uh, Herm has the respect because he's been a head coach before. Right. Where I think both coordinators and the coaching staff would look at him and respect his opinion. And I think that's where they, and I'm sure Herm was flying out to talk to him, you know, like today. Right. I'm sure that's part of the interview process is how does he work with that staff? How, how relationally are they? And that'll become an important part of it. Mm-hmm. Would you, so you were pretty close to coaching. You, I mean, you went to the Cavs front office. Right. And worked with them for a while. What, what type of situation would you find attractive? Um, in the NBA, I would I, like. I realized when I was in the front office with the Cavs, and and David Griffin was my boss, and we spent a lot of time together talking about the game. And he even realized at that time that I was built to be a coach, not a front office person, right? Like, and so, you know, he told me that that was what I would do in the NBA one day is 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 be a head coach. But what in the NBA, I couldn't do that right away. I'm a firm believer in in having to, um, you know, having to learn, you know, having to be put through the fire, having to do scouting reports, having to practice plan, having to, you know, get up in front and, and, and give, uh, give, give, uh, detailed, um, scouting reports of what we're going to do, you know, this night against said team. And, and I wasn't ready for all of that. Like having not done that, I couldn't be a head coach. Like you have to earn your, your respect. You have to work your way up the totem pole. I don't believe that many guys, I'm not saying that no guys, but many guys can come right off the court and be able to manage. Like, I can coach a game. Like, I can see what's happening in a game, and I can probably make adjustments and manage my timeouts, all of that stuff. But the behind-the-scenes stuff, the management, um, the, the details, the practice plans, the, the ego management, all of that I wasn't ready for. So I didn't think I could do that. MBA for me would be a, a assistant job. Like I would, I would want to be on the bench. I would want to be with a really good coach who could mentor me and, and, and really teach me. Um, I was really like a couple years ago, I, I lobbied for the FIU job, um, before the gentleman who has it now mm-hmm. got it. Um, and I felt like I could be a head coach in college, but I would surround myself with like former head coaches that, that didn't really want to be the head anymore and just would help mentor me in that capacity. Cause I felt like I could deal with those younger kids on scholarship better than I could deal with guys that were better pros than me and may not respect me the same way, you know? Yeah. I, so I, I, I miss football. I miss being around the locker room. I would love to have the opportunity to influence young men, like yep. for, to change the course of their life, which Bobby Bowden did when I was at Florida State, did it for thousands of players mm-hmm. that came through his program. But I'm like you, like I didn't, and to be a head coach, or to, to become a head coach in college football, there's a path. You have to go to, and I didn't want to go to Kansas at some, you know, FCS school. Right. So I could, you know, cut my teeth and be a GA and then maybe go to, um, you know, an FIU or, you know, a, yeah. a, a smaller school and then move my family back across the country to Arizona and then back and maybe get an opportunity. I didn't want to have to do that. If there was an opportunity that presented itself where I had a relationship with somebody like a Mac Brown, yeah. like, and, and it was at Florida state, I would seriously consider it. Yep. Like, I think it'd be a fascinating, um, opportunity. And I would love to be a part of something that meant more to me, right? Just that was bigger than a job. That was, hey, I could have an opportunity to influence young men and also to have an impact at the university I played for, which I'm very passionate about. I think that'd be incredible. It, it's a, it's a really, 
I imagine you'd be great at it, number one. But it, that's kind of the way I feel about FIU, and, and they're struggling again, and I support Anthony Evans that's over there. But, you know, I've said to Pete Garcia, um, like, I would love to help this place. Yeah. Like, it's a place that made me, you know, and it's tough for me to watch it. And there's, there, there is something about the place – where you came from helping them and, and doing for them. It's kind of a way of giving back, like I feel like, you know? So mm-hmm. um, I'm with you on that 100%. You know what sport I think would be the easiest to do it? Baseball. And Carlos Beltran uh, is considering is being considered for the Yankees managerial position. Yeah. Just finished playing with the Astros, won the World Series. He's 40. But, man, he played 20 years in Major League Baseball. I think it would be the easiest one to transition over. I, Again, just to be from going straight from player to be a manager, I just feel like there's – it just, it's an easier transition. I feel like the egos aren't as big. Guys yeah. kind of get the game. You know, I think in the clubhouse environment, I think it would be very, a smooth transition. My idea, like my picture of like a baseball manager is like sitting in his office, like over there on the side of the clubhouse, like <laughs> spitting out sunflower seeds <laughs> yes. with his feet up on the desk. I, I, <laughs> there's something about a baseball team. Like basketball is a really fluid sport. Mm-hmm. It's moving all the time. Like, so to coach that, there's no like, Stop in the action. Like even football, a play caller gets to sit there for a fraction of a second once a play is dead, go through his, his list of plays he wants to call and call another one. Basketball doesn't do that. It's a faster sport. Baseball is the slowest of all sports, right? Yeah. Like it's pitch by pitch, batter by batter. Um, so I feel like if you haven't been conditioned and reared in the coaching like game, mm-hmm. there would be an easier transition for player to coach in baseball because the speed of it and the nature of it lends itself to a, a, a beginner better than the other sports does. The Yankees aren't feeling any Like They're taking their sweet-ass time. Like They're like, hey, whatever, we're the Yankees, man. Right. We're going to get our pick. But it does feel like, hey, uh, spring training's not that far away, a few months away. It does Let's feel like you kind of have to do it sooner or later. But they have interviewed a ton of people, a lot of broadcasters, a lot of former players. Uh, it'll be A-Rod. Yeah. A- J-Lo wants A-Rod to be the manager. <laughs> J-Lo wants that A-Rod. That would be <laughs> insane. Like, what a twist of events. I don't think anybody's turned around their image like A-Rod has. Right. Post career, because he was one of the most hated players in baseball because of the suspension. He was suing the Yankees. I right. mean, there was there was talk about they were suing each other uh, over the contra- contractual disputes. I, I it would be if it if he wins, it'd be great. But man, if he lost, they yeah. would that would turn on him in a heartbeat. Could you? I could see J Lo sitting up there in the owner's J-Lo. box at I, every game. I could you know? see J Lo. Maybe not every game. Eighty two <laughs> home games. No, she'd probably show up once a week, once a month, maybe at that. Uh, but yeah, let's get a rod. Let's get it. Let's make it happen. There was an NFL game last night. Uh, the Redskins lost. They're out of the playoffs. Uh, Dak Prescott didn't play that great. The Cowboys, eh. I don't think we have to hit on it. Yeah, right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, the NFC East, the NFC East can, can is dominated by the – They got two easy games till Zeke comes back. Like, no. is there any no, – No, they're done. And right. Even Dak Prescott really didn't play that well. It was more of the defense, and they're getting after Kirk Cousins. Yeah. The, the Cowboys and Redskins are both done in the Made playoffs. It. They're done. Uh, wrap, wrap it up. Let's do some college football picks, though. Let's do some picks and props, Debo, because there is conference championship weekend, and we got some fun matchups on the field. Yeah, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it's either tonight or yesterday yeah, or right depends now. Depends on if they – want to make money or not <laughs> the pac-12 championship on friday night stanford versus usc the trojans a four-point favorite when these teams met earlier in the season usc beat stanford by 18 and they were also favored by four in that matchup i like stanford to pull the upset Bro. Raja, come on here's the difference all right they had a different quarterback playing the first time oh. around when they were stopped now they did give up a bunch of yards on the defensive side of the ball but David Shaw is one of the most underrated coaches in college football. I think yeah. it is hard to beat a team twice. Neutral site, I like Stanford with K.J. Costello playing quarterback. Bryce Love, one of the best-kept secrets in college football as a running back. I think Stanford is going to pull off the upset. All right. Well, I was going to say, I don't know that that quarterback had anything to do with giving up 42. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna, <laughs> That's a good point. I'm taking USC. And what, what, what do you call it? USC in the – and the over, is that how I call it in betting terms? <laughs> no. USC in the cover. under to USC cover. To cover. So you think they USC win by four or more? Yes. We'll get you up to speed on gambling. I, do. I, I appreciate had, that. By the way, when I was first, I had <laughs> no idea what all these <laughs> what, what terms meant either. And then the more you're in this business, you kind of yeah. have to figure it out. And then if you ever open an account, then you'd learn Now you hard really got to know. Yeah, USC <laughs> to cover. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Gambling and Twitter. Exactly. We're totally corrupting him because yeah. it's not going to make his quality. It's going to make his quality of life worse. He's going to be a worse dad. On both be accounts. On- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should try to just keep Raja pure and like un- 
Un, uh, yes, don't soil me, unscathed. please. Yes. Yeah. All right, next up. All right, Big 12 championship on Saturday. Another rematch, number 11 TCU versus number 3 Oklahoma. The Sooners favored by 7.5 points. Oklahoma won this matchup 38 to 20 earlier in the season, just a few weeks ago, actually. These are, uh, this one's really tough. And it's amazing, speaking of gambling, how good these and how tough, uh, the, the lines books, are. Yeah, how, yeah. They, how, how tough they make it. I'm going to say Oklahoma wins, but I'm going to say TCU covers because it's a championship game. I think people are totally overlooking TCU. Gary Patterson is a great defensive mind. Now he's got film to look at from just a few weeks ago where he can coach up his squad. I think Oklahoma wins, but if you want to make some money, take TCU and the points. I'm going to take TCU with the points too, and I am calling this like a pick em game. Like I, I, I really do think TCU could mess around and beat Oklahoma. Um, I, I just feel like in shootout games like that, and it's going to be a shootout. But the last time it wasn't, right? It was, it was supposed to be a shootout. So it was, I mean, Oklahoma, I think, I think to stop Oklahoma, I think 30, 30 points is a good performance. 38, they didn't get it done. But if they could hold them to 30, I think they could, they have a chance. I don't know that they will, but I think that they will put up more points. I think, I think I'll, I'll take TCU in the points, but I don't be surprised if TCU beats them. Here's another little nugget for you. And I learned this from Scott Van Pelt at ESPN. Because he was a big, you know, gambler. Uh, Who SVP? Yeah, SVP. So sixty-three percent of the betters, public money, have Oklahoma with covering the spread. Yeah. What you want to do is go against the public money. You want to go against it because those people are all idiots. Right. I've learned that from SVP. Yeah. yeah. So I try to go with the smart money. I think the smart money is on TCU. Smart money, baby. We'll right. See if you apply that for the SEC championship. <laughs> Auburn, a two and a half point favorite versus Georgia. Carry on Johnson, a game time decision in this mm. one. Fifty-six percent of the money is on Auburn. Are you going to be smart here? So 56% isn't that much of a sway. It's still, you know, I would I would typically do that, but my eyes tell me, not the money, the eyes tell me Auburn is significantly better. They're not going to blow them out 40-17 again, but I think they do win by a field goal or more. So I'm going to lay those points. I think Auburn wins uh, by a touchdown probably. You're laying points. Yeah. So what is that? <laughs> Debo, is you want to explain like it to Laying points so means... That... <laughs> It's just, it's just another way to say with the spread to All cover. Right. All right, so Auburn covers. So th- that's yes. just a, okay. laying the points. Yeah. All right, I'm going to lay points also. All right, like, you're, you're hopping on there. I do. With War Eagle. I, I do believe that Carry On Johnson, though, if he doesn't play, it's a different ball. It's game. a completely different ball game. I think Carry On Johnson probably gets shot up in the shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Goes no, real talk. No, absolutely. Yeah. As long as you go in there and your question to the doctor, the medical staff should be. Can I hurt it worse or not? Is it a pain issue? Shoot me up. If they say, well, man, and that's the thing where you really have to have a good relationship with, with your, your doctor. doctors. Yeah. Because you want to be able to say, is this going to be long-term damage? Or is this just something I need to mask because it's only one game and then you can get healthy for a few weeks before the, uh, bolt, you know, right. the playoff start? And that's the question you have to have. If it's if it's just a pain management, it shoot me up. Let's do it. I, and maybe get one more at halftime. Dude, I'm with you. I respect that. I respect the hell out of that. And I always had beef. Like I was the dude. If you had an injury that everyone knew wasn't like career threatening and you weren't going to make it any worse, mm-hmm. you get that thing shot. Yeah. Let's, let's go. I mean, now clearly not in like the the 35th game of the regular season, but we're talking playoffs, and you could take a pain tolerance shot, and yeah. you could get out there and get after it. And there are guys that would say no to that. Right. No respect. One of the word. Although I will say this. One of the, I think it was like a career changing moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I hurt my back on Monday night football versus the Cowboys. I got pounded the entire game. And the following week, I didn't practice at all. We had Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was really good that year. Yeah. Uh, we had to go to Tampa Bay. I didn't practice all week. I could hardly walk like through Thursday or Friday. Saturday, do, uh, getting ready for the walkthrough before we traveled. I like, I re-aggravated it trying to tie my shoe. I yeah. thought I was good to go and yep. re-aggravate it. We get to Tampa. I have a chiropractor stretching me, masseuse, trying to keep me loose. So I'm like, I'm going to go. What can I do? And they were like, all right, we can shoot you up so you won't feel it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. And I probably shouldn't have. I look back on it. I'm like, I needed, as a young quarterback, I needed those practice reps. Yeah. I needed everything I could. And I had an awful performance through three picks, like a pick six, like in the first drive of the game. It started going south early. And I thought, like, that changed the perception of me. But myself, like it hurt my confidence, but yeah. also the fans were like, oh, this guy's no good. Yeah. That's and I tough. thought like looking back, I'm like, man, I, cause I, and it, but it drives me nuts when guys say I'm only playing if I'm 100%. Right. Like there's 100%. No one. At that point. Right. No one. Uh, just a little side note. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I feel like, you no, know, that, that sucks, but it was, but going uh, back, I probably I just would have done it again. Like I want to play. I want to go out there and prove my toughness. I want to prove that I'm willing to lay my body on the line because yeah. everybody else is doing no it. No doubt. 
Raja, you ready for this one? Uh, ACC championship. Oh, yeah, we'll get the truth. Turnover chain. Turnover uh, chain. Turnover <laughs> chain. Right. Your, oh, yeah. <laughs> Your Kane's almost double-digit underdog. Oh, hold on, uh, hold on, on a second. Bro, There's real bro. money. There's real money on the bro. line. People are going to take our gambling advice and take it to their bookie. Are you going there? Bro. Clemson, nine and a half point favorites. Nine and a half. Almost so there's, double digits. All right. So, again, I'm not well-versed in gambling. Nine and a half is, is not ten. Right? Like, I can't round up in this. Right? Like, ten, no. that's a big difference. Right? Yeah. Half um, a point. Half a point's a big difference. Yeah. Um, 50% of the money. I'm, I'm – we're without uh, Herndon, the tight end, right? Yeah, you guys that's, are banged that's up. That's tough. We are really banged up. Um, if I had to bet it, if you push – if you yeah, if I had to bet, I'd probably take Clemson with the points. So you I think would. Clemson wins by 10 or more? Um, if you made me bet. My heart says that Miami has a chance to win this game, and I will be yelling until I lose my voice at the, at the, at the screen. But if you made me bet, I just, that defense is really raw, and you've seen us struggle all year, mm-hmm. uh, putting up points, like converting on third down, red zone efficiency. Like we have some real struggles, and if Malik grows here, if anything, we know Malik can be all over the place. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would take, I would bet Clemson if I had to. All right. I'm going to fade Raja Bell. What's that? Wow. What's that? That means I'm going the other way. Fade it. All right. <laughs> I'm going like to fade you. Gambling right. I think Miami covers. Yeah. I think this is a closer game than people think. I think Miami is banged up. But this team all year has played up to the – they played down to the competition. But when they've been in prime time, when they've had Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, uh, you know, show me a big game, they showed up. Yep. I think they keep it close. I, I think they keep it close. I I think, no, you're I think not giving Clemson, us a chance to win, though? No, no. I don't think so. But I, right. think, I think Clemson probably wins by a touchdown. Okay. But I think Miami covers in this one. Would, would you put touchdown? Miami in a teaser? I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> now, what? now he's just trying to throw it. Now, now I'm excited. To... <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> don't tease him. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for another day. Yeah, exactly. This is, we're just going to start off with gambling 101 on this <laughs> podcast. All right, next up, the Big Ten. Last of the Power Five, Ohio State. Six-point favorites versus undefeated Wisconsin. JT Barrett underwent minor knee surgery on Sunday. <laughs> he crazy. is expected to play. I don't know if I ever tried fu- to call my dad. He's a doctor. He's a knee surgeon. He does arthroscopic surgery, which is what JT Barrett had. Cause this does seem really quick. Yeah. It's really quick for scope. Like, I, I am concerned about him. I think, yeah, I give him credit. Like we're just talking about playing. If you can do it, but man, there's still going to be some tissue in there that's just recovering. Still. The scope, when I had scope, was like ten days before you I could really maybe two weeks. Yeah, even. like and that even is fast when you think about it. That's before you can get like up on it and just move a little bit and like ride <laughs> yes, the bike. Yes, exactly. But I think what could be interesting is if Dwayne Haskins has to play. You like him? I do. I liked him better. I like the way the ball jumped off his hands. I think it might be a better runner. Yeah. Uh, with him and J.K. Dobbins coming out. But here's the thing: I'm taking Wisconsin and the money line. I think Wisconsin wins. You think Wisconsin wins? I think the Wisconsin game. is still underrated. I think people look at this team and they don't respect them because of their schedule. I think they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And I think Jonathan Taylor is an outstanding running back. But more importantly, this defense, ranked number one in the country statistically, they're really good. All and right. we have not seen Ohio State offensively really be this juggernaut that we think they are. Wisconsin money line currently listed at plus 195. So you would bet. A hundred to win, one hundred ninety-five. So you make more money if one, you bet huh? them to win the game as opposed to taking the points. Uh, just because I want to use this lingo that I've just learned, <laughs> I'm going to fade Danny. Right? I'm going to fade him, <laughs> and go. I'm going to take Ohio State laying the points. Is that right? He nailed it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we'll have, to, we'll have to keep track and see who's better because you know what's going to happen. He's going to win. He's going to win all these games that we go opposite of each other. He's going to win them all. That's just because that's always how it works. The I have no idea. That's right. I have no there. idea. Let me go. Let's do it. All right. Uh, what do we have on Twitter? We had some interesting Twitter uh, reaction to some NFL news that, quote, broke uh, the last couple of days. Right. So you always have to be careful of that blue check mark. And some media personalities were not. Adam Schefter, a big newsbreaker in the NFL world. A-D-A-R-N. A darn. Not a big <laughs> newsbreaker, but maybe he is because R and N at the end that look like Schefter. an M. Looked really similar. So this account tweeted out that Eli Manning had asked for a release and a bunch of guys bit. Yes. So awesome. A lot of big time. Like Peter King from Sports Illustrated, yeah. he was like, great, get Shefty. Oh. <laughs> you know, Trey Wingo from ESPN. <laughs> like all these guys are starting to say, whoa, this is a huge move. And it did because it because it seemed like – 
you could you could perceive that happening. You latch on to this, and to be fair, his Twitter handle was a darn Schefter, but then you could put your name, and it said Adam Schefter. So it, if you just kind of glance at it, you don't look for the blue check mark, you can get fooled really fast. What is a blue check mark? That's to mean you're verified on Twitter, like you're officially. The same thing applies for Instagram too. You're on Instagram. I am on the gram. Are you? Are you verified on Instagram? I I better be. Ooh, is he? I don't know if he is or not. I don't know. I have no idea. My (laughs) account's private on Instagram. (laughs) That's right. I like people in my business, yo. So, Danny, you're very active on Twitter. If Raja ever logs on, what are some do's and don'ts for him? Oh boy, I see. Let me take my notes. Let me get notes. No, see, here's the first thing you have to do. You can't get upset. Because people, I can't are, be on there. Yeah, that's what I was. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a good idea for you to do that. Because <laughs> there was actually a boxer one time, and yeah. somebody, somebody, a fan was going after him, saying he was the worst boxer he's ever seen, and was trashing him, probably because the guy lost money on the right. guy in a fight. So the boxer tried to track him down, like wanted to fight the guy who called him out on Twitter. There are some some dudes that flex their Twitter muscles that are anonymous, and they say some nasty, yeah. nasty things to you on Twitter. Like you can't get into, you can't get into your mentions. You can't. Get into what people are saying about you, or you will lose it. I'm and don't even think about letting your wife open it up. Like if my wife opens it up, she, like if I let her look, it's all every once in a while I'll say, "Hey, check out this person." Right. And like it's like she'll be like, "Let me at him." Like she gets more fired up than I do because I'm kind of used to it. Like I have thick skin now. Right. Because if you don't have thick skin, you're you're done. Yeah, I got pretty good in the NBA about like not reading, not reading the articles or the comments and and all that stuff. But my my wife, my mom. Yeah. Bro, Yo, better, don't don't listen, even. You better not talk bad about her, baby. I know that. Don't even think about it. I had a, I had one here, so let me just read a little message I have. Can you bleep this later? Yeah, <laughs> it's All right, gonna be my, a lot. Yeah, I can it, tell it's gonna be a yeah, lot. Yeah, because this was the Tennessee fan base as I was criticizing them for the way they handle Greg yeah. Schiano. All right, this is uh, this was from my friend Brando on oh, Brando. Twitter. Yeah, Brando was his yeah. name. Yeah. F- you, you dumb f- jackass. Go f- yourself. You don't know sh- about the University of Tennessee, and you were absolutely the most. Dumbass on ESPN, and that's saying something. Wow! <laughs> like that's just a glimpse. Yeah, it's just a glimpse of what goes on on Twitter. And that's not just the best. Like bottled up rage, and like yeah. it, this is that's not the and form probably that I need some to be alcohol on. late at night. Yeah. that's going on there as well. I need not be on this. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be calling him out. If our podcast is posted a little bit later today, that's why. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, just screwed it up. That just Thanks, cost Brando. us an hour. Yeah, that just cost us an hour. Is he gonna have to go back and edit that, Debo? All right, let's do some questions to finish off the show. We've been going pretty long today, but it's the weekend. Hopefully, we will get you guys some extra content here that you like. Uh, what you can do, go on to, uh, Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us, leave us a five-star review. And in the review section where a comment is, ask us questions. We'll do a five-star Q&A. Ask us anything you want, anything off topic, sports related, family related, kids related, anything you want to know. So there were some good questions this one. So first question for you. I don't know the name because Debo didn't find the guy's name, which is kind of messed up because you think you give him some pub. <laughs> we'll have to work on that from our production side. Uh, you grew up in Miami, yeah. but you went to Boston when you went to school up there for college to start off. What was the hardest thing about the transition from South Florida to the Boston area? Uh, there were a lot of things that were tough for me. That's a long way from South Florida, but uh-huh. I mean, the most obvious was the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, got there at the end of summer, fall is beautiful. Uh, leaves fall in like you know light jacket all good i could make it to class at 8 a.m wasn't that cold then it started snowing and getting up for a stats class at 8 a.m when it's like 15 degrees outside and having to walk 10 blocks to get to the class was not an option for me and so my grades like literally were 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 like the worst I'd ever seen in my life because it was too damn cold. And I couldn't get out of the warm sheets and blankets to walk through that cold weather to get to class. It was brutal. So my question, the follow-up from me, not yeah. from any five-star Q&A, why'd you go there? Like, did you not, did you, were you fooled? Was it one of your only options? Like, what was the reason for going to BU? So BU was, BU was one of the early, I had a really, like, I was a mid-major player my junior year. Then going into my senior year, I went up to five-star and really, really performed well. And so I started getting, like, major offers, like LSU and places like that. I just didn't trust. Like, I guess I wasn't as self-confident as I should have been. But I didn't trust that, like, when Dale Brown sat me down and he told me I was going to start at the three in the SEC, and I was 6'5", 175 pounds, and his current three was, like, 6'7", 250. Like, in my mind, I was like, that's not possible. So I stuck with the mid-major because I knew I would play. And they had been one of the first and most aggressive, and I had a blast on my recruiting visit. Like, they really showed me a good time. (laughs) 
What time so was your? Like, what time of year was your recruiting trip? My recruiting visit would have been in the fall. So yeah, so it, it was. It wasn't Leaves brutal changing, yet. It right. was beautiful. It was beautiful. See, I almost went to Michigan. Michigan was my number two. Yeah. I went up there twice. Once as my unofficial. I went up and watched them play Florida State. Yep. They got waxed. But I was sitting in front of the Fab Five. Yeah. They were oh. at the game. Like they were right. They were just freshmen that year, so they were like the superstars and I was sitting right there glorious you know, star uh sunlit day like just not a cloud in the sky like yeah. 70 degrees I'm like this place is awesome oh, right went back they brought me back in January for my official it was like 12 degrees snowing had a blast like it was incredible yeah. had a great time but I was like this ain't for me there is no way I'm coming back to this place to live in this for four months out of the year so I, I sh- said no thanks I should have went follow up I definitely <laughs> yeah, should have went follow up yeah. alright uh, we'll have to get a follow up story sometime later on why you went to FIU and how that worked oh out. that's a, that's an even better story alright All right, so apparently 1994 Seminoles were down 28 to the Gators yeah like I wouldn't know this because I could care less <laughs> about the Gators but apparently you guys were down yeah and the question is like what happened to turn that game around so we were down 31 to 3 yeah in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes left to play. Ooh. It was 28 to 3 at half. As I was walking off the field, fans were screaming at me saying, You suck. They said they were chanting, We want Thad Busby, who was oh, the backup. Oh, no, you didn't. Uh, so we so we go in, and I was like, Man, this sucks. Like, I was like, Uh oh. Bobby Bowden had a talk with Mark Richt, said, What should we do? Should we bench him? And I don't know who it was, if it was Mark or Bobby, but they said, Let's give him another series. So we came out in the second half. Didn't score, but we started to move the ball a little bit better. We had a missed field goal. We had a drive and a missed field goal. Started to move a little bit better. Defense starts to play a little bit better. So they they hold uh, Florida to a, a field goal. So it's 31-3 in the fourth quarter. I The only thing I was playing was for one was for my job, but also what my message was to everybody on the sideline was let's not get embarrassed. Like this is embarrassing. It's our rival. We're getting blown out at home. Yeah. Let's just make this respectable. So we go down, make it 31-10. It's like, all right, that's better. And, you know, still, like, everybody's kind of still pissed. Right, of course. Defense gets a stop. We go back out there. That next drive, we scored in three plays, and it happened fast. Who scored? Do you uh, remember? The second one, I believe, might have been Andre Cooper. Okay, yeah. Who caught a little pass in the end zone. Yeah. And then it happened fast. And was like, all right, we're still pissed because we're still getting beat. We're down two scores. but There's time. Right. But then the defense gets a quick turnover. Then we score and cut it seven, and that's when the fans started saying, uh-oh, we got something going on. That's when we started saying, uh-oh, we got something going on special here. Okay. And then Florida started saying, we can't screw this up. Like, how right. we're not going to blow this we got lead. All the chant is going on. The war chant is so, cracking. So since you're and... not familiar with it, the <laughs> worst part about it, it was, so it's one of the greatest comebacks in college history in the fourth quarter. Yeah. We came back to tie. Oh. So, but it was that's... the choke it doke like it has a name for it. We got the rematch in the Sugar Bowl. So we played them. They called it the fifth quarter and the French quarter. Uh-huh. So we played them and beat them in the Sugar Bowl, thankfully, because that whole comeback would have been for not. And it was really close because when we t- when we scored the last touchdown, made it 31-30, Mark Richt had said, we're going to go for two. Right. There's no way we're, we're going to go for two. We're going to go for the win. And he had already a play called. It was going to be 30 trap, which was a, a touchdown we scored earlier to Zach Crockett. And I was like, all right, let's do this. So as soon as we scored, made it 31-30, I'm looking over the sideline saying, Let's go. Let's get the – and what's just like thinking, let's get the next group. Let's get the play. We're going to run the play. Right. And Bobby Bowden was over there, and he was just saying – he had his, like, one finger, like, let's oh. kick it. And I was like, all right. Because <laughs> there was, still was a minute and a half left. We got the ball back. We almost had a chance for a Hail Mary, but the clock ran out. But that was my one regret is I kind of wish we had gone for it. I yeah. wish we had gone for the win because I think we would have no matter what. Like it was, we were felt unstoppable. Did, did the did the tie impact where you guys fell in the national championship race that year? Like, no, because we were out. We wouldn't have been able to win the national championship, and yeah. we still finished like fourth in the country. Right. So it wouldn't. And we but the we tie didn't Florida. make. The, we would have played a different team probably in the Sugar Bowl. Oh, like okay. it would have, you know, probably. But it ended up winning. You know, we won the yeah, game. Yeah. But that's like when Florida State people remember me, they always go back to that game. Like that's, that's all cool. they ever want to talk. That's a great about. story. Eighteen yeah, for twenty two for you that day. Boom. That's a hell in of a completion quarter. percentage. That was just in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, because the in whole the fourth, yeah, yeah we in were the fourth just quarter, chucking it around. Okay, we were just chucking it all over the place. All right, so you don't know this. I've told a story before on my show on ESPN yeah. with uh, Ryan Rosillo. I told a story about I had done some pretty, st- I had purchased some stupid things when I was younger. <laughs> First time I was out of the NFL, I played five years, and I was trying to get back in. I played some minor league baseball. And I kind of had these hobbies to keep busy. When you're young and dumb and have a lot of money, you're like, yeah. oh, let me, what, what can we do? So I started getting into motorcycles. So I bought a Ducati. I started off on a monster. Then I got up to like one of these crotch rockets. Oh, wow. And I was like, all right. And they were kind of small. So then I got a big one, a Honda Blackbird. It was like an 1100. The thing was 
it's just a rocket. Like a crotch rocket is the perfect name for it because yeah. you are sitting on something that could, you could just do unbelievable things. So I was living in Long Island. I was playing arena football with the New York Dragons. Yeah. And I would go out in the LIE and I would see how fast I could go. Oh. <laughs> so I would get it up to like a, the first time I went 100, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Right. And I had the jacket and everything, but I'm like, still, this is really, looking back and I was like insane. Right. Then I got to like 115. I'm like, man. And then I had this Honda Blackbird. And that thing, all you had to do was just turn the throttle. I was like, bam. I had it up to 133 at night on oh. the LIE. And I, that, I came back that night and I was like, I got to sell this thing. That was the last time I got, like, I sold it the next day. I was like, this is suicidal. I need to stop. Yeah. What is the dumbest purchase, dumbest thing you've, uh, like, dumbest purchase you've ever made with your NBA money? I don't know. I, I was, I didn't have a lot of habits. Like, uh, like I hate, I hate motorcycles. I'm scared to death of them. I'm not like a extreme, like sport type of dude. Like I'm out. I was never either. Like, like, no. Um, I probably, like when I played for the Sixers, like in that, in that era, it was about, uh, jewelry. You know, like everybody, like AI had a big chain and all the guys on the team had a big chain. And so I got, I got a little bit of money. I went down on South Street in Philly. Um, and I started crafting it. And then I met a jeweler in Long Island through my wife, who's from Long Island, who were like, yeah, we can, we can make you a dope piece. We can make you whatever you want. We can make you a dope piece. So they made me, it's, I still have it. Like I, it's a Liberty Bell, right? It's a Liberty Bell with my name and number through it and diamonds. Like it's, it's a really, Really big fat chain. And I, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like stupid, stupid money for it. It was like what I could afford on a minimum salary, but that was probably my, because I never wore it again. Like I wore it three times and it, it's big. It clanks when I wear it. Like <laughs> well, that's I, who's I ever going to wear it again? <laughs> that's my question for you is because for people who are listening, can't see it right now, but the, the shape you just made with your hand was Bro. about the size of a volleyball. <laughs> like was it that big? <laughs> you had a big old like, chain. All right. So this like, is a, huge. this is a large Dunkin' Donuts coffee. It if was, you, it's probably a small Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So I mean, I don't know, like four four inches tall and maybe three or four inches wide, and it's how much money was blown? Uh, probably like uh, maybe twelve thousand dollars. Oh, like that's that, not that. 000. Well, that's uh, it's a lot of money. But guys are dropping a hundred. Oh no, yeah, I wasn't like that. Donut. I was on a minimum deal. Like I was just happy to be <laughs> yes. getting. I just come out of CBA. Percentage wise, it probably made no sense fiscally. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> How's that compared to the turnover chain? The turnover. Oh, is oh, it about the same size? No, my, no, dude, that thing is like, that thing is, uh, that, I would, and it's real and it's heavy. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a dope chain. Well, we'll see if I they break it out this against weekend. Clemson. They yeah. need it at least three times. Mm-hmm. All right. Wait, so wait. last question, Danny. Mm-hmm. All right. You're here now. Mm-hmm. Like great relationship with South Florida. We get to go golfing. Like yeah. we got Debo, uh-huh. um, warm weather all year round. Yeah. Um, are there any hard feelings towards your former employer? <laughs> yes. There okay. absolutely are. Yeah. I'd be lying if I said there weren't. It's, uh, it's kind of like you got dumped by a hot girl, yeah. right? I mean, it really is. It was hard. Initially, I wouldn't watch. I'd be like, I don't want to watch these shows that I used to be on. Yeah. Because uh, it was my dream job. Like, I got my dream job. I was there, loving it, having a blast every single day, and then got completely blindsided. And one of the things that made it really hard was I had been cut a lot. Like <laughs> I've been cut in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I've been cut in baseball. I've been cut from teams. I've been fired before. But that was always by myself. Like, you know, I could deal with it by myself. Yeah. This one impacted my family. That was probably the hardest part about it because I had a family that would, my kids were in school in Connecticut. And, you know, my, now my wife was thrilled when I got canned. Like, she was, that was one of the bright sides. She's like, we get to move. Like, we don't have to out. live here right. anymore. Um, that was really tough. But it's a really weird dynamic because I still have really good friends, like people that I worked with. I love the people that work at ESPN. Mm-hmm. And I, I love them and I want them to succeed. But now there's a competitive nature of me that wants to prove ESPN wrong, that wants them to fail, that right. wants me, you know, I want to, like when we're, you know, launching a digital network, I want to be better than ESPN. Like all those types of emotions come up. But I think they're human sure. emotions, right? So I think, yeah, there are some hard feelings. But ultimately, I'm thankful for the opportunity that I was given. Like, because yeah. they can make, ESPN can make a star of anybody. And they, I mean, I don't want to call myself a star. But you're on ESPN, you have a voice. Right. And it's regarding, there, there are some people on there now, I'm looking, I'm like, why are these people, how do they get this opportunity? And I was that person. I'm sure a lot of people were looking at me five years I was. ago saying, who no. is this guy? <laughs> why, what does he have to say that's better than me? No, and but real really talk, is. I look at the basketball, I look at the basketball sometimes Absolutely. and I wonder, like, yeah. you know, like, why him? Right. Not that I'm better, but I know other people that are, certainly, Absolutely. you know? And a lot of it has to do with relationships. You talk to the right people, you kiss the right butt, you can get on there. Yeah. And, you know, they can make you a star. Yeah. They'll, they'll put you out there and your voice is heard nationally. So, so yeah, there's some, there's some awkward feelings. But over it. 
Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy now. There are moments when I'll watch and be like, man, I missed that show. Right. But happy to be in Florida. I think I'm having a ton of fun on this podcast with you, uh, with all the different things that I'm doing. I love it. That's so cool. It's, yeah, it's a ton of fun. Uh, anybody else wants to ask? I think Debo said, are you okay with that? Are you all right with that? <laughs> hey, it's like, it's like therapy, man. You can't let all those emotions bottle get up inside out. you. You got to get it out there. Better out than so in. So that's the type of stuff we'll give to you on our five star hey, Q and A. Ask up. anything you want. Make sure you go and subscribe, download at Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, any of the other spots. Follow us on Twitter at Canel and Bell. I said this, Raja. How, where are we at on followers? We're struggling. We got to get this game picked up a little bit. I said if we get to a thousand followers, I might have to bump it up to twenty five hundred because uh-huh. I think a thousand should be easy. I think we're around six hundred right now. Six thirty three. All right, so okay. we're making inroads. But I want to put the show on Periscope. Do you know what Periscope I, is? I, I vaguely know what Periscope so is. Like we're, they're going to like film it while we're doing it. Well, yeah, like with, our be live with our phone. Right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right, right. Or Facebook Live, or one of those, uh, one of those. Uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Streaming avenues. One of those. One of those methods yeah. to put the show where you could actually watch us tape this. That would be cool as it goes down. Yeah. All right. So but there's got to be. We, gotta need, be, we have to have an audience. Yeah. yeah. We got to come. So on. get after us at Canal and Bell. Tell us what you want. Give us some questions on our I got people out there out. pushing. My buddy Chris Hare up there in, yeah. in Rockford, Illinois. They're getting Bam. after it. We're, there you go. You know, we're, we got, we're trying. We, there you go. go. Let's get it moving. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Take those bets to the bank. Raja says take the money line. There you go, baby. Fade me. <laughs>